Welcome to the Big Fundamental Podcast, a Spurs podcast brought to you by Kins 5, the official station of the San Antonio Spurs. I'm Jackson Floyd, and joining me this week, we've got sports director Joe Reinagel and digital producer Tom Petrini. How are you guys doing today? Tom, how are you doing? I got to be honest, man. I'm tired. <laughs> I, I, this is the second quarantine beard that I've grown. I miss Lonnie Walker. In short, I can relate to the Spurs right now. There you go. And of course, Joe, we're happy to have you here with us this week. How are you doing? Man, it's great to be here with you guys. And again, I was telling you before we started the show, I'm sorry I didn't bring the hat. Next time I have the backwards hat and I'll have the hoodie, I'll be ready to go. So forgive me for the, for the dress this week, but I'm happy to be with you guys. You've got the chain, though, so we're covered. <laughs> yeah, the, the, chain, the chain completely fixes the vibe that a collared shirt could completely wreck in another person's hands so good to know good to know, you know it's, <laughs> don't worry you're not you're not bringing us down in the slightest in fact <laughs> we already had I, I mean we we miss evan of course absolutely yeah yeah uh, and and we're very proud of him but we're excited to to bring you into the fold here although i gotta say evan he told he told me the zags were good <laughs> i, I, I right. gotta I don't know what happened there, but... Uh, yeah, i got to question all of the things he said in the pod now because uh, of that take, but uh, that's the way it goes. <laughs> Speaking of the Zags, guys, I mean, it was a pretty darn good weekend for basketball everywhere except the, uh, the AT&T Center. Uh, I just want we'll get, to... We'll get to that in a little bit, but uh, just your thoughts on the NCAA weekend, both the men's tournament in Indianapolis and the, the women's tournament here in San Antonio. Uh, Joe, w- did you have a favorite moment or memory or takeaway from the games? Well, I tell you what, you know, I, I love both of the tournaments. You know, it was great to have the women here in town and, and, and all of those games, especially, you know, when they get to the Sweet 16 and, and the Elite Eight. And then, of course, the Final Four, all of those games were exciting and right down to the wire. So that was a lot of fun to watch. And, you know, it, it, I, it, I'm really encouraged because, you know, everybody's really starting to take notice now of the women's game and how good these ladies can play. And so I'm happy to see that. And it was a national stage right here in San Antonio. But I tell you what, I was completely blown away by the Baylor Bears, especially on Saturday. Man, everybody was talking up Houston, and I think, you know, Houston's his team, and I, I couldn't wait to sit down and watch that game, and I thought it'd be great. And then Baylor just, just stepped it up like 10 notches and just whacked them, and then they carried that over, you know, against uh, Gonzaga uh, in, in the finals. And, it, man, oh, man, they've just – really shifted into another gear. A lot of fun to watch. So I really enjoyed watching Baylor over the weekend. Yeah, I I remember hearing something during the broadcast that just stuck in my brain and I couldn't stop hearing it for the rest of the game. Uh, one of the broadcasters was like, you know, he, he had talked to the Gonzaga head coach about, you know, oh, you, you got that, you know, miracle shot, you know, but you still got to beat Finland, right? And he's like, Baylor's a lot better than Finland. And <laughs> like, yeah, Finland was the like UCLA, and you got the miracle finish against them. And then you had to play a team that was just clicking on all cylinders. I mean, Baylor really ramped it up. That that game was incredibly impressive. Uh, I, I know it wasn't competitive in the sense of it was a close score, but it was competitive in the sense of Baylor was just – I mean, it's not like the Zags gave up at any point in this game. 
they they kept clawing back and trying, and and Baylor was just all over them on both ends. Um, you know, so it's funny. really cool to see. It's funny that you say that, Tom, because everybody's talking today about well, you know, maybe Gonzaga was overrated. I, I don't think so. They're a really good team. I think Baylor was underrated. I don't think anybody really saw this coming or really how good they were. When you, when I watched that game last night, it sticks out to me just how technically sound. They were in every facet of the game. On defense, they were just making all the right moves. Their pick and rolls were fantastic. They, I mean, they were just doing everything completely right. It wasn't just, uh, you know, in the finals. It was the, it was the game against Houston as well. I mean, the, the, just te- technically wise, this team was just uh, right on point. It was a lot really of fun to watch. The final four for both men's and women's, I mean, you have to appreciate, as you said, the technical aspect of the game. Uh, these teams – for the most part, the good ones, the great ones, they're built on schemes. Yeah. And, um, you know, so if you're, if you're a fan of that part of the game of basketball, you loved what you saw in this championship weekend. And, I mean, the women's championship game coming right down to the buzzer here in San Antonio, Keanu Williams, like, winning in her hometown with Stanford, like, that was an awesome moment. Um, and, you know, just the emotion from these kids, right? Um, it's, it's, a, it's a really – uh, awesome thing to to watch and be able to be a part of yeah. um, but I mean as, as far as the the basketball itself went uh, some of the most fun I've had watching basketball mm-hmm. certainly in the past couple weeks uh, <laughs> I, I, there were two major takeaways for me uh, from the tournament first of all um, don't don't change the facial hair uh, on a national championship day. You know, Tim, for, uh, is Timmy, is it pronounced the name? Timmy, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Gonzaga went full mustache, you know, had the, had the great beard going, went full mustache. You can't, don't mess with it, man. It's, it's worked this far. You know, Tom, I'm not expecting yeah. a mustache uh, from you next week, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, well, see, the, the thing was he like, he exposed his chin and then Baylor exposed him a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, we talking about schemes, right? Baylor, it wasn't just aggression and physicality and, and shot making. It was, we know what these guys want to do, and we're going to make them super uncomfortable. We know what they're not the best at doing. We know what our only chance at winning this game is, and we're going to play that game. Uh, and they just dictated the pace and the action the whole way. I mean, just a lot of uh, people who, you know, made names for themselves in the stage too. And that's what it's all about. You know, if it's Suggs or Butler, Timmy's another guy, Juzang for uh, UCLA, but uh, Ari McDonald, Mitchell. Arizona, Mitchell did great. Yeah. Too. Yeah. The, the, the star that shone the brightest out of this whole weekend though, was Arizona head coach Adia Barnes, uh, just a spectacular head coach, spectacular presence, amazing things she did with that Arizona team. Uh, just a stellar defensive team too. Um, if I'm an NBA team, I might think about knocking on that door um, down here, down the line here. So uh, that's just throwing that out there. Yeah. Incredible job. And like, I need her shoe collection as well. I mean, <laughs> the, like to, to come into the final four wearing not only Versace sneakers, but like the Versace two chains sneakers, like, and, and you can tell that like, you know, her, her players would run through a wall for her. Uh, you know, you, you saw it in that final four game at the end, the, the passion that she had that her kids just fed off of, um, and, you know, all incredibly talented players in their own right. Um, but 
that was what a what a fun team to watch make a, a championship run. And you know what, Tom, you're exactly right. And that sets the difference between the college game and the and the NBA game. And there's only a handful of coaches, I think, in the NBA that really command that respect and and are so-called player coaches. You know, Pop is one of those guys, I think. If you buy into what Pop's doing, right? I mean, not all players can play for Pop, but the guys that are there would run through a wall for the guy. And But it's interesting to see when you see a guy like Scott Drew with Baylor. I mean, those players, I mean, they just act like they're best friends. And it's just that, that mutual respect that I love about the college game, whether it's men or women. And uh, to me, that just makes the college game fun. And you can talk about college football as well. It's kind of the same thing. But I love the college game. It, it's just so much fun to watch. Yeah. And, and last night was a night where I was very glad to have other basketball to watch, too. So, <laughs> yeah, Very early on, as a matter of fact. Before, before we, like, I guess the transition from, you know, the NCAA stuff to the Spurs stuff, you were talking about sort of that camaraderie, right, that we, we see with these teams that, you know, travel and play on short rest and, you know, go city to city and, and spend some time in a bubble, right? Um, I, I think that this year's Spurs team is not short on camaraderie because um, they they've been they've been through it they've been going through it mm-hmm. and they've been going through it together a lot of the time in hotel rooms uh, where the only people they they're really interacting with or um, close to is each other so uh, I think that part of it has been um, you know good for the team the the execution the legs the rest, the rotations, the injuries, mm-hmm. all kind of piling up right now. And, I mean, they've, they've lost eight of their last ten games, and most of that was on a nine-game homestand, which they've never had as a franchise before. So, I, I mean, that must – that just by definition, that must be the worst uh, homestand in franchise history, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that I'm aware of. Obviously, number one, because you mentioned it, and there's never been nine in a row. So, you know, you, you lose seven of those nine. That's that's not good. Had an opportunity to win, you know, at least a couple more with those overtime games that, that they couldn't quite get over the hump with. So, yeah, it's disappointing. And I think everybody very surprised because nobody nobody saw a two and seven homestand coming. Maybe you know, you get a four and three or a five or a, a four and five, even if it was a losing record, you know, it was, it was right there. But I think this team, and I know we're going to get into this specifically in a moment, but I think you really have to look at, at the fatigue factor with this team because, and I saw it last night against Cleveland because, I mean, the defensive rotations just aren't there and they're just not there quick enough. And that's all legs. Some of the shots, the jump shots, they're, they're coming up short. That's legs. And I don't care how in shape you are, how good of an athlete you are, when they're playing the kind of schedule they're playing right now, it, it wears on you. It absolutely does. And then you throw a couple of overtime games in a row uh, onto that brutal schedule. It, it just makes everything worse. So, man, I, I think fatigue is really a factor, even though the guys aren't going to make excuses about it. You heard DeMar DeRozan and Rudy Gay after the game last night. I mean, they're not going to let that be an excuse, but it's got to be there, especially for some of the young guys that you were talking about, Tom, that, you know, have only played college ball. They're not used to that brutal, hard-nosed game night in, night out, and for this long. It's, it's got to be wearing on these guys. Absolutely. Uh, so, I mean, here at the Big Fun Pod, I would say that we tend to trend optimist 
Um, I don't think this is going to be one of those episodes, uh, just for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, so here's where we are. I mean, it's, it's just, I would sum up the homestand with, as disappointing. I think that's a fair word to say, but it's not like home has been their friend. You know, they are, before last night when they dropped to 500, they were the only team above 500 that had a losing record at home. And now, of course, they're 500. They're sitting in the ninth seed, half a game behind the Grizzlies. Um, Tom, would you say it's fair to say that the train has derailed for the season? Well, I mean, you said we trend optimists, right? I'm an optimist, especially with this team. Uh, I remember when we were talking about this homestand leading up to it and, you know, what expectations were. We knew the Clippers games would be tough, right? Uh, we knew that a back-to-back, you know, series against any team, the Spurs have struggled in those where, you know, they play the same team twice in consecutive games. Um, but they lost a close game to the Hornets. Uh, They kept it close in the second game against the Clippers and then just, I mean, they scored 85 points. Um, Lost to the Kings, lost to the Hawks and the Pacers in overtime, and then the Cavs. So that's six games where it wasn't one that you looked at the schedule and penciled in an L, you know? You, these, these were games where the Spurs had opportunities and should have been competitive and were competitive in a lot of the games. I mean, went to overtime twice. Um, and I, I think we really saw it against the Cavs. Uh, was a, it was a culmination of all of the bad from the homestand, right? Yeah. Uh, it was tired legs. It was, um, you know, guys – not executing, not, you you know, you you said his legs with the defensive rotations and that's part of it, but it doesn't like really matter if it's young guys or old guys. Mm -hmm. A lot of, a lot of the guys who are getting heavy minutes on this team are just not, you know, making those plays. And part of that is there are different rotations, you know, not every night, but guys are in and out. They're dealing with injuries. They're dealing with, COVID recovery, right? Uh, in their last game that made me, like, feel something positive inside me, uh, which was against the Bucks, uh, Lonnie Walker, career-high 31 points, right? Uh, and in that game, you saw him, you know, make a great play and then take a tumble and really not want to fall on his wrists. Like, he, he was – his – it was very clear that he was uncomfortable. Um, And I don't think it's about one guy, but I also don't think it's a coincidence that like a two-way X factor like that goes down for this stretch. And this team plays far below their ceiling that we've seen this year. Um, So I I think that, um, that that was some really bad luck. Gorgie Jang injuring his shoulder on literally his first roll to the basket as a San Antonio Spur. That was rough. Um, And part of, part of the cascade effect of that is now, you know, in a time when, you know, team has moved on from LaMarcus Aldridge, you know, Pop has said, yeah, Lucas Shamanich should probably play more minutes. He's earning that. Uh, Devin Vassell is a really promising rookie. 
you have an opportunity to give these guys more. Um, and we're seeing, you know, Patty Mills and Rudy Gay play almost 30 minutes a game yeah. off the bench. Um, and so, you know, I know that the kids aren't really used to the grind of this season, right? But I'm, I'm sure the vets could use a break at least. Like if, if you look at it no other way, look at it like that, right? Like, you know, yeah. you, you don't have to give the kids the, the keys to the car yet. You just, you know, you just let them drive so, so the, the older guys can take a nap every once in a while, you know? Like, and especially on nights when they just flat out don't have it. Yeah. Joe, is that the, the secret to getting this train back on track? To, to, is, is it str- lengthening the rotations a little bit, getting more players involved? I know the Jang uh, situation hasn't been exactly what they wanted, but getting him more minutes, taking Yak out – uh, I mean, we even saw Hakayak rear its ugly head against the Kings, uh, and Jang was supposed to be that kind of that the release valve for that pressure. Pressure there, uh, but is, is the solution here just getting people fully health, trying to get some rest time in for people, and uh, figure out from there? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously that would help. And and Pop after the after the game the other night said that, that he was going to try and do that, and he said things should start to even out, especially when they get guys back. But my experience with Greg Popovich over the years, whether you know whether it's the Tim, Manu, and Tony years or or whatever the case may be, Pop has always done this. He never fully trusts the young guys, especially when it comes down to a crunch time situation. He wants to have those veteran guys in. Now, I'm not saying that's right or wrong or what he, what he should do, but that's just been his M.O. over the years, and he's always done that, and, and obviously we can say he's been pretty successful at it. A lot of Spurs fans obviously want to see the young guys play more. I, a lot of Spurs fans I see, you know, say, hey, let's just blow it up. Let's go with the young guys and see what happens. And, um, you know, as long as Greg Popovich is in control, that's just not going to happen. Uh, you're going to see what you're seeing right now, and, and that's just the way he operates, and he's not going to apologize for it. Um, you know, I think what you've seen over the last couple of weeks is that they're not practicing. They're not practicing at all. They're not shooting around. They're not doing anything. Pop is trying to give them as much rest as he possibly can uh, in between games since they are playing so many games in so many days. So in that respect, you know, he's doing what he can. And I think he, he really seems optimistic about the month of April and where they're going, getting guys back, and that those things will kind of iron themselves out. Whether they do or not, I'm not sure. All I do know is, and it doesn't take a genius to figure it out, the guys are tired. I, they're, they're flat out tired, whether it's the young guys or the old guys. They're just flat out worn out right now. I mean, Tom, you hit to this a little bit how, um, you know, there's no Aldridge here. You know, that, that's obvious. Um, Aldridge hasn't been here since they resumed operations after the All-Star break. You know, they came out before the game, said he was not going to be with the team. They were going to work on a situation, uh, either a trade or buyout to move on from him. That felt like a pivot moment, right? That felt like the moment where this team might focus on getting Keldon Johnson playing uh, late in the fourth quarter or, or bringing Shamanich's minutes up, maybe getting Vassell more involved in the rotations. Uh, and those guys have looked pretty good since then. I mean, J- Johnson's had a few off nights, but he's still the energy, the spark, uh, uh, the guy you went out there, I mean, he became, the Spurs PR loves stats like this, right? He became the third guy in 60 games for this team to, to go for, what, 7,000 points, 3,300 rebounds, joining Tim Duncan and David Robinson. I, I love that set. I don't know if he's on um, pace to be one of the three greatest Spurs of all time, um, but he, nice to see. Um, but that that pivot really hasn't happened, right? I mean, 
why haven't why are we still seeing gay and mills in the moments does it come down to what joe's saying that it's it's a uh, pop stick into his guns or are these the right guys to have out there in the moment i mean my favorite theory uh that i see on spurs twitter all the time is oh pop is stealth tanking he's he's putting the veterans in to lose on purpose uh, that's that's a great one um I don't think that's what's happening. I I think that um, <clears throat> Pop is still uh, he he's always done the uh, relying on the veterans down the stretch thing, as as you pointed out, Joe. Um, the difference now is that you know the the vets on this team. I mean, you need Demar on the court in the fourth quarter, right? He's he's your your go-to bucket getter. He's the engine that mm-hmm. drives the success of this team. Basically, um, if you surround him then with the veterans, just because they're veterans, and the veterans in this case happen to be Patty Mills and Rudy Gay, who you know can shoot, which is important. Um, you know their their offensive games are pretty complete. Uh, but they're not great defenders. And if you put them around DeMar, then you've got sort of a weakened defense um, and teams exploit that. So, and it's, it's not about just those three guys, but it's, it's about the philosophy moving forward. Right. The, the biggest complaint that I see as like, you know, um, having a little more validity now after the deadline, after the dust has settled. And, you know, we, we kind of know what the, we, we know what the roster is moving forward. Right. Um, that set a pretty clear mandate. Once that happened, it was like, okay, Gorgie Jang is going to come in and, you know, like, yeah, if they're, if they're hacking Jakob Pertle, that's, that's the end of that. He's just a legit stretch five. He's pushing like a 50, 50, 90 efficiency this year. He's, he's like, he should fit in just awesome. He moves his feet fantastically well on defense. He's 6'10". He's got a 7'4 wingspan. I, I want to I see so many Gorgie Jang minutes. Um, but he plays six minutes in his debut. Um, and the, the Spurs big man depth really got exposed um, in, a, in a lot of these games. And what's the solution? Well, do you wait for Gorgie Jang to get back? You know, and sometimes that's really all you can do. Um, but yeah, this this team looks beat. Pop said last night they look fried. Um, you know, and uh, the the reason that I have optimism where a lot of people wouldn't looking at the schedule, right? Because this was a, as far as the rest of the Spurs schedule goes, this was the soft underbelly. This was where they could really carve out a lead in the standings, and you know make some moves toward a guaranteed playoff spot instead of a play-in. Um, that didn't happen. Uh, and they, they went very far in the other direction. And now the schedule only gets tougher, right? Reasons for optimism, I think. Um, Spurs have played up to good competition this year uh, and in recent years. Um, and for this team, I mean – You'll, you'll see it in the way that Pop interacts with, you know, visiting beat reporters who are like, oh, what have you seen from Nikola Jokic on tape? 
Uh, and he's like, I haven't watched a minute of tape. And, and like, it always shocks the person that asks because they don't know that he says this every time. And they're like, you don't watch tape? And he's like, nope. Yeah, I, I got I got my own guys that, you know, I need to worry about. And we, we try to figure out what we're doing in here. And yeah. we're going to do what we do in here and let everybody else do what they do. And I think that's like, we always hear the Popovich-Belichick thing, right? Where that that's a comparison that gets made. But Belichick is very like art of war. Like whatever you do best, we're going to take that away from you. We're going we're gonna to hit you where you're weak. And And Pop's philosophy... I mean, obviously he changes his scheme to do what the Spurs do best, but it's always been about doing what the Spurs do best. And if the Spurs do what the Spurs do best, they should beat the other teams doing whatever they're doing. Um, so, you know, I, I think that there's there's some optimism moving forward that, like, you know, it, it doesn't matter as much who they're playing against. They're They're really just trying to figure things out with themselves right now gets harder yeah. against better opponents but i mean uh so i, I on, Joe, yeah no i mean you and you hope now that there's, there's a sense of urgency right and you're going out on the road you've got some tough games uh you know maybe that coming together thing will, will pay off but, they, but these guys aren't stupid they they watch the standings they know where they're where they stand and yeah they'd rather get into that sixth spot instead of have to play their way into the playoffs but uh so maybe a sense of urgency will help. And the other thing, since we're being optimistic, Lonnie Walker's been out eight games. I mean, he hasn't played, so he ought to be fresh when he comes back. DeJounte Murray, hopefully he doesn't miss a lot of time. Obviously, he missed the Cleveland game, but, you know, maybe that was a, a way that Pop said he, maybe he could have played, but I'm going to give him a rest. And maybe Pop sprinkles that in, but, you know, at this point in time with only, what, uh, I don't know, 25 games left, you can't be doing a whole heck of a lot of that when you've got to when you've got to get some wins. But, I think they'll try and figure out a thing. But if, uh, you know, if Lonnie Walker can come back, and I'll be honest with you guys, you tell me if I'm way off base here, who, who knew Lonnie Walker was going to miss eight games? I mean, is there something seriously wrong with him, or are they just being cautious? I mean, this kind of worries me a little bit, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I, I think that um, Pop's optimistic that he'll be back uh, in the next couple games sometime on the, on the upcoming road trip. Um, the this team is always very like CIA with everything, but especially with you know injuries and timetables and things like that. If you ask Pop for a timetable on something, like somebody asked him about Gorgie Jang, and he he literally said like I'm gonna make a guess, which I sh I shouldn't do, and nor normally he just doesn't. Um, and so anytime anybody gets hurt, it's um, you know. If it's if it's a nagging thing, like with Lamarcus Aldridge, for example, mm -hmm. um, you know we're we're really not going to know. And a lot of it is because it's like a how how does it feel today sort of injury. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think it's a it's a serious injury. I think it's obviously concerning that it's been nagging him for for this amount of time. Um, but. Uh, once once that part of it is healed, once once he can do this and not have it hurt, um, I'm really excited to see him on fresh legs because his his legs are special. Uh, yeah. Like I'm I'm sure that you know in this time where he hasn't really been able to do basketball, he's just been like running around 
like skipping halfway to the moon and just like seeing how high he can get. Um, but yeah, he, he should provide a much needed boost to this team in terms of, you know, energy and freshness. And I mean, really sh- I, he, he's one of the team's most important shooters. Uh, he was taking the other team's better wing players defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, a lot of people were poo-pooing on his advanced stats because of those matchups. Um, but he played a really important role on this. I mean, he was the starting shooting guard for the a bulk of the season. He's averaging like 26 minutes a game, right? So uh, you take out a player like that and, you know, I don't care how inconsistent he is, you're losing something very significant. Um, and without him and DeJounte Murray against the Cavs, this this team looked kind of, you know, listless on both ends. Yeah, the same guys who poo-poo on Lonnie Walker's advanced stats are the same ones who balk at Rudy Gay and met Patty Mills getting minutes when Patty Mills is the team leader in true shooting percentage. Rudy Gay is the second best player on the Spurs in terms of net rating. Rudy Gay also leads this team in three-point shooting percentage. He's a 40% three-point shooter this year. So, I mean, you, know, you, can't, you can't have it one way and take it the other. I think Lonnie Walker is a guy who's going to bring a lot on both ends of the court at a time when the Spurs especially need it. I mean, you go back and look at the scores over the last eight games during this home stretch. Um, I mean, some of these games are overtime games, but the lowest scoring team was the Clippers in that 98 85 victory for them but i mean they scored 134 the night before the bulls scored uh, 104 uh king scored 132 120 uh, 106 the next night hawks scored 134 pacers 139 cavaliers 125 this is a team that wasn't allowing 100 points per game for his, for a hot stretch there uh that was their bread and butter was the defensive end on the offensive end i think lonnie walker is another guy who's gonna help you score points when the time you need to score points uh the reason they're relying on gay and mills is because those guys can get buckets you know, as I was just saying, Mill leads them in true shooting percentage. Gay's a good three-point shooter on the catch and shoot. Does Gay sometimes take a boneheaded, you know? Is Gay a guy who's going to be a volume shooter and just kind of take his shot whenever he can? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, they need this. <laughs> Um, but it's a troubling trend on the offensive side when, you know, this team goes the entire season without having a guy lead them in scoring three games in a row, right? Uh, and then all of a sudden, DeMar DeRozan over the last four games has been the guy leading this team in scoring. The scoring has fallen off elsewhere, and, and Walker's a guy who I think can help him out with that. Uh, Joe, I know we've seen limited minutes of Gorgie Jang, but what have you, what have you thought of him uh, and his role here at the Spurs? I guess it's, it's a lot left to be seen, but, you know, we've seen a little bit from him. Yeah, it's hard to tell. I mean, just watching him, you know, throughout the years that he's been in the league, you see that he's a solid player. He plays pretty good defense. He'll clog up the lane a little bit. He can bring big guys out, uh, and and that's always a plus, too, because he can't hit the three-point bucket. So I think he's going to be good, and I think it was a good pickup for the Spurs. I don't think there's any question about that. As he gets acclimated to this team and, and learns his role, he's going to be good. And, and that's only going to help them. And, and, and think about it. We talk about tired legs. He's another guy that should be pretty fresh for the most part. I mean, he's an older guy, but yeah, he should be pretty fresh and he should be, should be good to go. But, um, you know, just going back to Rudy Gay and Patty Mills for a minute, I think that's you, – you kind of hit the nail on the head. I think those guys have really been the consistent guys scoring-wise – uh, and, and I think Pop relies on that. He's relying on that, I think, more so now because the defense has gone away. You guys think about this. Before the All-Star break, the Spurs were a top-ten defense. I mean, they were, they were smothering teams. And then all of a sudden, 
you know, that, that you talk about something just flying off the, the track. The defense has really flown off the track. I think a lot of that is, you know, they've had players in and out. I think fatigue plays a little bit of a role in that. But, you know, that still has to be for this team because the Spurs consistently, I just don't think, are going to score a lot of points night in and night out. So they've got to rely on that defense. And that has got to come back if they're going to do anything. And, I, and I'll just say this too, guys. I, I really will. With, with the makeup of this team, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the offseason and who stays and who goes and, and what this team is going to look like next year. But, but, but for now, with the makeup of this team, I'm not sure, and maybe I'm just not being optimistic enough, but I don't think anybody thought this team was going to be playing in the NBA Finals. It's still a growing process for this team with the youth that they have on it. Uh, it it's going to take some time. I mean, they've got to cook this thing for a little bit. And I think going through times that they're going through right now, being able to lean on guys like Gay and Mills and DeMar DeRozan, these young guys are only going to learn from this process. And I think it's going to help them moving forward. So um, that's, that's my little dose of optimism as we look forward to this team. You, you made a lot of good points there, Joe. Ooh, sorry. I'll say real quick, Joe, uh, to your point, uh, the Spurs were the ninth best defense in terms of defensive rating before the All-Star break. They're 24th in defensive rating now. Yeah. The All-Star break yeah. in those games since the All-Star break. Sorry, Tom, go on ahead. You, you made a lot of great points there, but that's – I think some of the points you made make it more confusing as to why the Spurs are taking this course of action, right? I can see that, uh, sure. There, there was there was one play in the uh, – I forget which game it was, but Rudy Gay and Luka Shamanich are sharing the court, right? Shamanich is spacing on the wing, you know, wide open at the three-point arc. Gay catches, pump fakes, drives in, uh, and it's a contested 18-footer that he's pulling up into, and he's got Shamanich wide open on the wing. And, you know, that, that one play – you know, it doesn't tell the whole story. He's been, you know, an underrated passer. He's, he's a bucket getter. But, like, you know, that, that play was sort of illustrating to Spurs fans who want to see more of a youth movement, mm-hmm. right, that this is what's getting in the way of that. And they, they might have a point. Um, you know, I, I think that Patty and Rudy have been – I mean, you, you can't question their resumes, right? They're, they're bona fide scorers. Uh, but as you said, this team needs to work on defense, right? And as they move into the post-Lamarcus Aldridge era and, and get younger and, you know, work on development, wouldn't it make a little bit more sense to see a guy like Devin Vassell or, or Luka Shamanich, who both of them, I mean, I'm really impressed with Luka Shamanich's defense. Uh, I, like, his, his offensive skill set was always tantalizing, and he's he's – putting together the muscle and the confidence to make that work at the NBA level, which is great to see, but his defense is what makes me say, you know, this guy can play now. And that's always been the thing with Greg Popovich and Devin Vassell as well. And Vassell is, you know, already, I mean, he's already at a very high floor as a player as a, as a three and D guy. He's, he's becoming the guy that when it, when the ball comes out to him, you, you think he's going to knock it down in a similar way that Patty is. Um, so, when you have guys like that getting 10 minutes off the bench, you know, six minutes off the bench, and you have veterans on expiring contracts who are, you know, it's, it's not even just minutes, it's usage rate. It's, it's how many shots are they taking and are they good shots? 
And there are some nights when they just flat out don't have it and just stay in the game. Sure. And it feels like a seniority thing. Um, and you're going to win and lose games with seniority. We've seen the Spurs lose a lot of games with seniority in the past. Absolutely. Past 10. So if you're already losing the games, why don't you try losing it with youth at at a certain point or at least a little bit more? Like I'm not saying take Patty Mills and Rudy Gay out of the rotation entirely. They bring a ton of value. They, they have valuable skill sets. Like you said, really accurate scores, but you know, Spot minutes, first quarter going into the second quarter, third quarter going into the fourth quarter. You don't want to leave Patty Mills on an island guarding the other team's best player because whether it's Steph Curry or TJ McConnell, he's going to look like Steph Curry a lot of the time, um, especially if Patty's played, you know, from late in the third quarter for most of the fourth quarter. He's on, He's, you know, playing with tired legs now. And in a defensive matchup that, you know, I don't really care who it is. It's a mismatch for him, uh, even though he's oh, yeah. spicy, even though he, you know, like we've talked about the Patty trap here before, right? Where they, they stick Patty Mills on a guy that's like, they're guarding Patty. They're, they're guarding him with Patty. <laughs> and then, and then everyone just helps really hard. And that's like a, a desperation de- defense almost, but it shouldn't be plan A. Um, and we're seeing sort of the tactical flaws in that. And the, those are less concerning to me than the philosophical flaws as I see them, which, which are, you know, you're, you're rebuilding, you're going into a new era, you're doing a new thing, you're trying to develop these young guys um, and still winning and losing with the vets. Um, and one, one thing out of Aldridge that I, I want to say, um, you know, I, I think that, Jang was an upgrade over Aldridge for what the Spurs needed and for what Aldridge became, right? I mean, he, he turned into a player who became pretty much unplayable defensively as a starter, right? And they said, you've got to go to the bench. And he didn't love that. Um, and I was, I was watching the Nets game where they lost to Chicago. They started Aldridge and Blake Griffin, first of all, which bold choice. Um, but I, I, I literally saw the moment where it clicked for the Chicago players that they should just run pick and roll at Aldridge every single play. It was the third play of the game. And then every single trip down that he was on the floor, it was Vucevic saying, hey, come here, I'm going to set a screen. This will be fun. And, you know, it wasn't even like he was horrible. Like he, he had a couple blocks. He was, he was doing all right. Uh, but he had a huge target on his back and and his front and they attacked it relentlessly and you know a a good chunk of their offense came from that um you know and he's posting up a bunch which is really interesting to see with the group of guys that they have right spurs said stylistically we're gonna we're gonna run we're gonna get out in transition we're not gonna post up we're gonna move the ball we're gonna you know pick and roll and and drive and attack that way um and there was fear that he would slow that down. Really, he was a good pick-and-pop piece for the Spurs uh, and, and would be for any team. But the Nets are letting him start and be himself, which, like, when he was doing his buyout process, I was like, he's either going to go to a contender or go to a team that's pretty good 
and will let him be himself, but that won't really, you know, change the ceiling of the team. Or he'll go to a team that's pretty good that will have him in a very defined bench role, get the most out of him, cover up his flaws as best they can, and that might raise their ceiling a little bit. I did not anticipate him going to a stacked Brooklyn Nets team and starting and playing, you know, more of a throwback style offensively. I, I did not see that it's, happen. It's kind of been LaMarcus's career, right? He's just he, – he makes another team better, which is never good enough to get there. I mean, let's face it. I mean, he came in here and everybody thought, okay, Kawhi Leonard, LaMarcus Aldridge, that's going to be the deal. But when Kawhi left, LaMarcus really couldn't – he made this team good. I mean, this was – it was a good team, but not good enough to get there. And that was kind of the story, I think, of LaMarcus Aldridge's career. He's always been a great player but just not good enough to, to lead a team to where they need to be. So, and I think ego gets in the way. I think it would have been ideal had Aldridge come off the bench here in San Antonio. I think it would have helped this team. I think, I think rotations would have been good. You got Yach starting. You got L.A. coming off the bench. I think that would have been a good thing. And once he left, Pop had no choice but to go out and find a big guy so they get Shane. And I agree with you. I think at this point in LaMarcus's career, Zhang is an upgrade over what he's doing. I'll be honest with you. You guys may laugh at me, but I want to see more Drew Eubanks. And the reason I say that, he's not, he's not the athlete. He's not, but the guy, when he's on the floor, gives you 100% every second he's out there. He makes a lot of mistakes, don't get me wrong. But I love to see a guy banging, hustling, diving for balls on the floor. I mean, I love watching a player like that play, and I would love to see him get out there a little bit more. I mean, you know, you're talking about what do you got to lose and why are you starting some of these guys? Well, hey, when Yach's not getting it done, hey, when Yach couldn't hit a free throw the other night, guess who came in? Eubanks, and he made a big difference in that ball game. And I'm not saying you're going to build a franchise around the guy, but, man, just to get a little hustle minutes and – and maybe even to be that bruiser that can bang the other guy uh, on the other team a little bit. You know, Eubanks steps in. I just remember Malik Rose was that kind of player for the Spurs when he was here. Same type of guy. When he came on the floor, it was just instant energy. And I feel the same way with Drew Eubanks, and I would love to see the guy on the floor a little bit more than he is. The, the Drew Eubanks experience is so much fun because you, <laughs> you really never know. Right. You know, there, there are some games where he's like, you know, just putting dudes on posters and, you know, finishing really well out of pick and rolls from the dunker spot. You know, he's he's like a smaller version of Jakob Pertle shoots a little free throw and an emergency three every once in a while. But like, you know, he hasn't been playing the game of basketball very long. Mm-hmm. He's he's sure. one of those guys who, you know, picked the game up late because he was, you know, comparatively pretty huge compared to other people. Uh, and, you know, some nights he's, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar with the, with the sky hook. Uh, and sometimes he's like two of 10 on those shots, but um, he's, he's one of those glue guys. Uh, I, I think regardless of how much he plays moving forward, um, I, I think he brings a lot to the team as, as a bench celebration uh, god. Um, but, I, but really moving forward, I, I think we're going to see – I think we might see Gorgie Chang play so much for this team that it actually cuts into Jakob Pertl's role a little bit. And that's okay. I, I'm okay with that. 
and and not in like a starting way. I think Jakob Hurdle has earned the starting role. I think Gorgie Jang makes more sense coming off the bench. But situationally, you know, there are going to be times when Jakob gets into foul trouble. One, um, and two, if the if the Spurs are in the bonus early in the fourth quarter and they target Jakob, boom, Gorgie Jang's in. He's shooting ninety percent from the free throw line. Now we're going to run our offense, which is. You know, pretty dang good when we're when we're working on it. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty jang good. I, I really, I really think it is going to be pretty jang good with him. I mean, picking and popping, picking and rolling. Um, you know, I, I think the biggest reason that he's an upgrade over Lamarcus Aldridge for this team is that he plays the role that Lamarcus Aldridge would have played, but Lamarcus Aldridge was playing it, you know, reluctantly. He he didn't want to be, you know, the the pick and pop center stretch five bench player. And that's Gorgie Jenks like niche. That's, that's his whole deal. Um, and, and he plays that role better than LaMarcus Aldridge could really at this point. Um, and, you know, I, I hope LaMarcus Aldridge does well in, in Brooklyn, obviously, but I, I think that, I mean, the the upgrade that they made was one of offensive spacing over DeAndre Jordan. It was not, this guy makes us better defensively, which is the thing that's going to get them run off the floor in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm very interested to see how that plays out. Um, but uh, I, I think that here in San Antonio, there's a lot to look forward to as guys get back healthy and as, Gorgie Jang gets, you know, in, integrated into this system, which, I mean, his game is very easy to integrate, right? He's not a guy who commands the ball a lot. He, he doesn't need to make a ton of reads, really. Set screen. Take what they give you. That's, that's all he really has to do to be an, a, a very effective part of this Spurs offense. And, you know, Pop said after they signed him, this guy's been around. You know, there's not much that he hasn't seen. He's he's a smart player. He he knows what teams run and and how to create advantages. So, um, you know, I, I thought I thought he was a really perfect addition to the team in terms of, you know, his fit, his age, right? He's thirty, yeah. thirty one. You know, so he's got that veteran presence, that mindset, that experience. He's been in a ton of different NBA situations, but at the same time, he's he's like in his athletic prime. Um, so I, I think that, uh, unfortunately for Drew Eubanks, uh, but maybe fortunately for the San Antonio Spurs, we're going to see a lot more Gorgie Jang moving forward. Was it Popovich who called Eubanks a moose? Is that correct? It's, it's, it's a pretty good, uh, to, comparison to him. So. No, no, no. He called Keldon a moose. The thing that I loved was, uh, DeMar. Yeah. They, they asked, they asked him about Drew Eubanks and he was like, you never know what you're gonna get with that man guy. Like with that guy, it's like uh, it's like a guy riding a mechanical bull. <laughs> that's like, what and and that's I mean, at a time when more than ever the Spurs need good vibes, Drew Eubanks could be like you know a glue guy MVP for this team. So I just love the energy that he brings and the hustle that he brings, and and I'll always be a fan of guys that do that. Uh, over anybody else. I just, I, I love that. He enjoys playing the game. 
He's happy for the opportunity. And when he gets out on the floor, he's going to give you everything he has. And, and I just love that about the guy. But you're right. I mean, he's moving forward, obviously, he's not in the plans moving forward. But I love seeing him on the floor right now. And I think once once Shang comes in, I, I see him cutting into Jakob's minutes. And, and not just because Jakob gets in foul trouble. I just think you, you said something earlier. I just think Shang is going to fit in with the way the Spurs are playing or want to play better than Jakob does. Uh, not that Jakob's going to go away, but I just think that's going to eat into Pearl's minutes a little bit, and I think it's going to be a good thing for this team. Joe, you said something a little bit back, too, that I want to turn to. Uh, I mean, this was not ideal situations. You know, this was not the plan going forward, right? It wasn't to try to work Jang into a rotation late into a season. The plan was for this to be Aldridge, and, of course, that didn't pan out. And so they just got to move forward with what they can during the ideal situations and figure it out. You know, they've got 24 games left moving forward. 17 of those will be on the road. Um, they've been better on the road than they have been at home, so it's not always, um, you know, a, a sign of – you know, doom and the future for this team. Um, but, you know, that's what they got to move. Before we look ahead, I just have one last question uh, before we move away from the conversation we've been having regarding these veterans. Patty Mills, Rudy Gay, DeMar DeRozan, you put all those three guys together. What, are your ch- what do you guys think the chances are one of those three guys is back on this team? Because I think it's like 90%. I don't think this team is fully moving away from all three of these veterans, right? Yeah, I think Patty will be back. Um, because it it wouldn't it wouldn't make sense for him to retire anywhere else for him or the Spurs. Like he brings value to a lot of different teams with what he does and with his veteran leadership, but he doesn't bring more value to any team other than more than the Spurs, right? Like he's he's part of the the cultural fabric here at this point. Um, so retaining him becomes, you know more about that than anything but, but at what cost tom that's going to be the thing now what if somebody like i don't know um pick one oklahoma city says hey patty we need a shooter we'll give you 10 million bucks this year the spurs say you know we're not going to give you more than three i mean does patty go for the money or does he stay here i think patty's going to be in demand somewhere along the way perhaps being offered more money somewhere else than he will be here Will he take the payday or are you right? Does he love it here in San Antonio? Want to retire a spur and, and stay here to finish his career? So I think that's going to be a big key moving forward. Is there that one team that says, you know what, we'll bring him in for a price and, and maybe he upgrades our offense. I don't know. I mean, it didn't make sense for Tony Parker to retire elsewhere, right? You know, it, right. it was weird seeing him in the Charlotte Hornets jersey there for, for a season. Um, that being said, I do think uh, I, I would like to see Patty here. And I think it's a, it's, a, it's a both ways thing. You know, I think we offer Patty a lot and Patty offers his team a lot. And, and I mean, I, Pop has spoken to him, uh, spoken about him as kind of being a future coach in this league. You know, yeah. he kind of took that role on in the bubble. Maybe it'd be kind of cool to see him as uh, Becky's lead assistant in uh, two or three years here. With <laughs> I kind of think they might bring Rudy Gay back. I'm, I'm leaning that way. Uh, I know you, uh, uh, Tom had a slight look of, uh, it was a, like a micro expression of, uh, of, of shock and horror on his face uh, hearing that. I don't know what you're talking about. 
was it was a gulp. It was a gulp. Uh, it was like a dry gulp that was completely unrelated to the thing that you just said. What did you even say? I didn't even hear. It. I think you know he he's been a valuable part of the most important ro- uh, rotations this team puts out in, in terms of looking at their their five their lineups. Uh, and I don't think he's totally washed, but I, again, he kind of. Fa- uh, he conflicts with the, the youth movement here and takes up some room, but and I, I wouldn't be surprised if he got a two-year deal from us. I, I just think it's going to depend on who the Spurs are targeting and who they think they can bring in here. They have a lot of money to spend in the offseason, a lot of money. So who does that go to? Million, I think, right? Two teams with $50 million? $50 million, yeah, it's right in that area. So, uh, you know, do you use some of that? Do you bring DeMar back? Or do you try to bring DeMar back? Not, you know, DeMar says he wants to stay here. He likes it here. I think he's having a good time playing, or at least he was before this uh, this last homestand. Um, but he, I'm one of those guys that I wouldn't mind seeing him back. Now, I don't want to break the bank on DeMar DeRozan. So, I don't, it, you know, if somebody offers him the moon, you got to let him go. But uh, I, I'm curious to see who the Spurs are looking at because, you know, they're they're looking at a handful of guys right now saying, hey, we can bring this guy in or maybe this guy or, you know, we'll go after him. So, um, I'm looking forward to the offseason. I'll be honest with you. I think it's going to be a lot of fun and one of the most fun offseasons we've had in a long time. Joe, I'm on record. I, I, I've, I've said several times this, Mike, you max DeMar. You give him everything you want. he wants. You bring him back. Um, you bring him he, back. Max him, huh? He's been tremendous uh, this season. And, and over the last – it's not been a pretty stretch for the Spurs, but he's played some pretty impressive basketball. Uh, he's still the guy you go to, and I think he offers a lot of value to the young guys around him too. But that, I'd like to see him back. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm the only one here who thinks Max, but uh, <laughs> this is going to be a very fun off season. I think we're going to see the Spurs um, more players than we've seen since uh, you know when they went out and got Lamarcus Aldridge. So that'll be very exciting, and they've got a lot of places they can go. Mm-hmm. Before we get there, though, we, we hit the road, right? And the Spurs need to be road warriors if they want to make the playoffs. They're in the ninth seed uh, right now. Of course, the playoffs expand one through eleven this time around with those uh, what eight, nine, ten, eleven in a playoff game. Is that how it stretches out? Uh, five. 38 gives this team an 8% chance of making the playoffs, um, which they've got teams below them uh, at, at 21% for the Warriors, 28% for the Pelicans. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. I think part of that goes to the strength of schedule and, and the road that the Spurs have ahead of them. And that starts uh, with back-to-backs against the Nuggets. Not necessarily back-to-backs, but two games in a row versus the Nuggets. Uh, Joe, looking ahead, what do, you, what do you see here in this matchup uh, with one of the West's bests and Nikola Jokic? You know, I, I I still like the Spurs' chances to make the playoffs. I really do. I think they're going to get they get Walker back. They're going to hopefully Dejounte's not uh, ailing too bad. And and I think they when they get out on the road, they're going to I'm not going to say find their mojo, but I think they're going to find that sense of urgency. And I think they're going to play better than they did here, just because they know. I mean, this is it, and they, you 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 have to do it. Of course, I could say that about the Cleveland game. It was a game they needed to win, and they should have played a lot better. However. I think going out on the road is going to help this team. Get away from here, uh, kind of huddle up together, and uh, I, I think they make the playoffs. Tom, that goes back to the camaraderie that you started the episode talking off about, right? You know, this is a team that gels on the road in the hotel rooms and uh, in their bubble. I, I hope, I, I sincerely hope for their sake that this trip is one of those sort of things for them. Because um, if it's not, I mean, we've got uh, – seven of their next eight games are on the road, one home game against Portland. Um, so, and, and facing, as you said, Denver twice, always a tough matchup. That matchup with Yaki is going to be key. Mm-hmm. 
um, and maybe potentially Jing if yeah. Jokic gets him in foul trouble. Um, but I mean, how much more comfortable do you feel saying it might come down to Jang versus Jokic if Yak is in foul trouble, then it might come down to Jokic versus Drew Eubanks. Like, it's, <laughs> and it's not, it's, it's not an insult to Drew, right? Like yeah. he came in undrafted. He, he beat out a guy that they used a second round pick on in Chemezi Metu for a guaranteed contract uh, in the NBA. Like, you know, he, I, I'm, I'm sure he's, he wakes up every day and is, is, you know, happy where he's at. Um, even if he could, you know, probably get some more minutes if Jang wasn't there, but that would, that would not be an optimal thing for this Spurs team. Mm-mm. Drew Eubanks was always going to be the third center, the emergency center, the, you know, garbage time mop up unit center. Um, that's, that's his job. Um, so I, I think that the stretch run of this season really comes down to how well can they put together their new and returning pieces and how complete can they be as a team moving forward. Um, they, they need Lonnie Walker back soon. <laughs> like the, this team, I think it's really fair to say at this point they're, they're missing him in a severe way. And when you look at the close games that they lost without him, it's very hard to think about how he would have very hard to not think about how he would have made a difference in a lot of them. Um, and Jeng could be a really integral piece for this team. Um, you know, he, he's not going to, you know, be putting on crazy post moves and averaging a, a double double or anything crazy like that. I don't think, um, but he's going to do exactly what this team needs him to do. Um, and I, one, one other little tiny piece of optimism that I have, uh, maybe the Spurs' difficult schedule uh, is easy for them, especially late in the season. Because, I mean, their last five games, they've got Milwaukee, they've got Brooklyn, they've got the Knicks, and they've got Phoenix twice. Phoenix is like second in the standings, right? Yeah. They're, they're all the way up there wouldn't surprise me if they were resting guys. Um, so uh, the, the doom and gloom of the schedule is not all bad. They still play Indiana again. They still play the Pistons and the Pelicans who they should try to beat really hard. Like they should, they should try really hard in that game. Uh, Washington, a struggling Celtics team, the Kings again. Like there are winnable games in this stretch take care of business games as I call them. And you, you hope that because they didn't take care of business on this homestand, they've learned something valuable from that. Um, but I mean, sometimes you learn something valuable while, while getting your butt kicked, you know, sometimes that's the best way you're right. And it, and it doesn't really help you stop getting your butt kicked. So, <laughs> yeah. like, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But whenever the butt kicking ceases, you say, okay, we learn from that. Uh, and, you know, because there were never really championship expectations with the Spurs team to begin with, um, you know, that, that takes the pressure off a little bit where it's like, hey, we're just going to do what we do, play how we play, and try to figure stuff out as a, as a unit. 
Isn't that what they did in the bubble last year? I mean, that's what they did in the bubble. Same thing, right? I mean, they went out there and they just played ball, and, and it was a thing of beauty. It really was. By the way, guys, they're going to have to win six of those last seven home games or that 23-year winning streak at home goes away. Just saying. That's so that's was, pressure right there. It was not long ago that they lost, like, what, one game at home with one of those Kawhi yeah. teams? Like, the – the the friendly confines of the AT&T Center used to be uh, impenetrable. Yep. And part of that is, I think, the crowd I, you know, has, to, has to come into play a little bit, and fans are coming back. But, um, you know, it may, maybe, maybe they do play better on the road just because they can sort of lock in in that more bubble mentality where – you know, when when you're commuting to work for, for two weeks, you kind of settle in. I know I personally have become a little sedentary around my joint. Like, I, I uh, have been wearing the same pair of sweatpants for three days. Uh, I, I'm not accusing anybody on the Spurs of doing such a thing, but, like, you, especially after the year that we've all had, it's understandable to be in a rut. Uh, yeah. And and that's what the Spurs are in right now, and hopefully they're uh, they they definitely have they're not short on motivation, uh, and they're not really short on talent either. Um, they, not at the all. thing the thing that'll get them is energy and and health. And um, you know, is there a home court advantage for anybody anymore, or or this year in particular? I mean, maybe that's why the Spurs are playing as well as they are on the road. I'm not sure that there's a home court advantage for anybody right now with, with no fans in the stands. So, I don't know. I, I'm optimistic that they get some things done on the road and the remainder of the season and, and, uh, and get, in the, get in the playoffs, at least in the play-in round. I think you guys make excellent points. I, I do think this is going to be another opportunity like the bubble just to lock in, like you said. And, you know, Tom, if you feel like you're in a rut, sometimes it's worth it just to change out of the sweatpants. Yes, it is. <laughs> it, we're an hour into this podcast and no one mentioned my haircut. I'm not, I'm not going to blame anyone, you know, or, or you know. Kind of well, call- that's because your hair always looks nice, Jackson. And, I mean, like, look at me. Like, I'm, I'm going to maybe go to the barber soon, but, like, I'm giving, like – Brown haired right now, current day Greg Popovich with what's coming out the back. <laughs> like, it's not a good look. Once you uh, hit the shoulders here this week, uh, I went and got the haircut. So it's it definitely worth it. Yeah, I'm out of the rut here. I have two more points I want to address, and I'm going to open it up to you guys for your final thoughts. First of all, I uh, just want to give a shout out to Tori Messina, nominated for the FIBA uh, Hall of Fame this year. Uh, glad to see that. Another guy from the Spurs family uh, getting the recognition he deserves. Second point, I'm uh, very excited that the broadcast started keeping track of Keldon Johnson's yells. Uh, yells <laughs> important stat. That was dope. <laughs> he's another, was, like, Joe, you were saying, you know, we, we like these energy guys, right? And that's what he's. Yes. Like. Yeah. I like to see that there. Uh, Tom, you got any right. final thoughts for us here? Yeah, no, I, I loved the Keldon yells thing. Uh, I would never speak ill of like a competitor or, or anything, but that was the first Bally sports graphic that I liked that I saw. <laughs> the rest of them have hurt my eyes, <laughs> but <laughs> uh about this Spurs team, okay? <laughs> think, think about where they were last season, right? Think, think about where this team was when they went to the bubble. They had just beaten the Mavs behind a, a strong two-way performance from LaMarcus Aldridge, right? That put them at 28-36 and 36 
for the season. 27 and 36, rather. Nine games under 500. That's where this team was when they hit, like, rock bottom and started to really change what they were doing. Uh, and they've made a ton of progress. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bryn Forbes, Marco Bellinelli, off the team, those minutes cleared up for guys like Lonnie Walker, Derek White, bigger roles. Um, and eventually they reached a point where they said – we're better off without LaMarcus Aldridge and, mm-hmm. and felt comfortable moving forward in that way. And they had grown enough to justify that. And even though this has just been an abysmal stretch of basketball for them, where they're playing well under their potential, lost eight of their last 10, they're still 24 and 24 with 24 games to go. Like the, the rest of the season is up to them. It's in their hands. Uh, even though they completely lost the way and and ran out of gas here um the the question becomes when do they fill up right and they really can't so uh i think coach pop is going to have to get creative with rotations Mm -hmm. and have to start giving certain guys nights off and letting other guys you know get in and make rookie and second year mistakes and you know play play high leverage minutes not just you know spot minutes here, spot minutes there. And regardless of how you do in those minutes, you're not playing down the stretch anyway. Um, so, you know, a, a, little, a little bit more of a, a reward-based system there with, with the minutes might work, might, might help this team a little bit, but also just, uh, you know, balancing it out. And I think that's something that this Spurs team has done well. It's been a strength of theirs. Jackson, you mentioned different guys leading the scoring for this team, you know, not a single guy for three consecutive games until tomorrow. Uh, but I think that really speaks to the depth of, of the team, right? And they have seven guys, I think, uh, maybe eight guys if you count, you know, LaMarcus Holdridge, who's no longer here, who are averaging double-figure scoring. Uh, and so you you have a whole bunch of guys who can all do their job well, succeed in their role, and help the team be greater than the sum of its parts. Uh, and we've seen the the whole machine not really working right without a few key pieces. Um, so excited to see what the next 24 games hold. Uh, a little scared to see what the next 24 <laughs> games hold. Uh, but, I mean, you know, if – if at the end of the season we look back and say, yeah, they were working on something that could have been special, could have, could have been, you know, really solid, but between the injuries and the schedule and the COVID and, you know, not having two days of rest for 40 games in the back half of the season and, you know, playing against all these teams, they couldn't make the playoffs. Is anybody going to be like, you know, talking about how this team was, uh, you know, a, a huge disappointment in terms of the effort they put out? No. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a tough road, and, and Pop said nobody's going to feel sorry for us. But, I mean, yeah, the, the circumstances have been quite challenging for this team this year. And the veterans, I think, shared some wisdom about, you know, kind of being molded by fire. And, you know, when, when you're going through something tough, you, you just try to use it as something to get better. Um, so the rest of the Spurs season just depends on how they, they move on from here. Is, is this homestand rock bottom? I hope so. 
or do they keep digging? Yeah. All right, Joe Reinigle, you got final word. Yeah, I think they will keep digging. And I think uh, a lot of it was what I heard from Rudy and DeMar after the Cleveland game. I, you know, both of those guys were, you know, we're, it is what it is. We've got to keep playing. We're all professionals. We've got to push through. And I think they will. And, and I think for the young guys, for, uh, you know, the Johnsons, the Whites, the, the DeJounte Murrays, the Vassells, uh, uh, the Keldon Johnson, I mean, having those voices say that, you know, we can't feel sorry for ourselves. We got 24 games left. We've got a golden opportunity right in front of us. We got to play ball. Whether we're tired, whether you know there's a guy injured, it doesn't matter. We got to go out and play ball. We got to get wins. And I think uh, you know, hearing those voices is going to be good, and those lessons are going to be valuable moving forward for those young guys. So I'm excited to see what happens. I think we're going to be able to tell a lot next week. I really, I really do. I want to see how they come out uh, in that first game against Denver. And, and if they happen to lose that, you know, do they bring the energy again for the next game? And um, yeah, I just want to see the, 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 the look of the team as we move forward and move forward on the road. And so I'm excited to see that. And, and again, no matter what happens, I think this is going to be a valuable learning experience for those young guys. They're going to carry that on with them next year. Uh, and uh, so, you know, looking at it that way, hopefully they make the playoffs. I'd like to see that. I think they will. But if they don't, I think uh, the lessons learned this year are going to be valuable moving forward for all of those guys. That's Ken's Five Sports Director, Joe Ryanagle. You can catch him on air nights, uh, we, uh, nights during the week, uh, Monday through Friday. He's in the 5 p.m., 6 p.m., and 10 p.m. shows. Uh, carrying the Spurs coverage along there, as well as all things sports. And, of course, you got Tom Petrini. That's at RealTomPetrini on Twitter. Follow him there. Um, he, he does not want your DMs, though. Stay out of his DMs. Uh, we need a GoFundMe page, though, for some sweatpants, all right? How about that? Yeah. Hey, just- <laughs> it's not that I don't. It's not that I don't have other sweatpants, Joe. It's that I don't have the energy to change out of these ones. Well, Tom, take hey, tired legs, Tom. Tired legs. Tom's got you covered on I've the- never related to a sports team more heavily. <laughs> to find Tom, time for Tom to get some rest here. You know, maybe uh, you know, we'll, we'll find out in the rotation here coming up here. But he's got you covered on the digital side for all things Spurs. Be sure to follow the podcast at Big Fun Pod. We're the Big Fundamental Co- Podcast brought to you by Ken. Five, the official station of the San Antonio Spurs. I'm Jackson Floyd. You can find me at JacksonKins5. Joe, I think I forgot to drop your Twitter handle in there. You're at JoeKins5. Uh, so, so give yeah. me a follow. I think uh, Joe might be more amenable to conversation on uh, Twitter than Tom, who uh, just uh, turns off all his mentions. And uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just. I, I, don't, I don't. I don't know what you're accusing me of. <laughs> I texted Tom and didn't get a text back, so that's where this all comes from. So. <laughs> We'll see you guys next time.